This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Your Xfinity Home Security System can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of February 25th. I'm your host, William Lou, joined on the line by uh, Joe Wolfond. What's going on, man? It's, it's, it's upsetting that I can't plug... Actually, you know, I can still plug Pound the Rock. Listen to Pound the Rock. You know, I, I'm not on there anymore, but, you know, you just yeah, guys... You... Uh, is, that, uh, is that out in the open? Or are we... No, no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not, I'm just okay. confusingly back on Raptors Public for like two weeks. It's been nice, actually. <laughs> I've, I've really missed writing on the site. Uh, yeah, I bet. I mean, well, we, we have missed you on Pound the Rock. We've only done one episode since you, uh, uh since you bowed out, but, I mean, uh, you replaced me with David Griffin, former Cavaliers GM, <laughs> which you could hear on the, um, actually, where is it on? Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify? Yeah, Spotify now. Yeah, yeah. A Spotify, yeah, wow. That's a big move. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, listen to Pound the yeah. Rock. We're, we're here to talk Raptors, though. We're here to talk Raptors, who uh, had. I mean, they were they were doing pretty well. They got a lot of a couple of new players, and then they had this like dispiriting loss of the Magic, where you know it's sort of one of those days, but also it was kind of frustrating just because of the circumstances around it. Um, now that we're past the trade deadline, now that we're um, heading down, I don't know. It's not really a playoff race, but uh, for the Raptors at least, like it's you know guaranteed that they're going to be home court in the least in the first round, but. Um, it's a good place to take stock of other franchises right now. Um, so where do you want to start? Which player do you want to start with? Um, I mean, we should probably start with Kawhi, right? Kahu? I haven't seen him on the court in a while now. <laughs> um, uh, I just, look, I'm not I'm not going to harp on, on the load management thing and, like, whether, whether it's just precautionary or whether there's, like, an actual injury that they're not disclosing mm. um i just don't know so there's not really a point of speculating about it i don't think but just judging by what i can see and like what i have seen uh over the last few weeks like he he has not entirely looked right to me and and the whole thing has just looked a little bit weird like even in the games they were winning they had that seven game winning streak which was like among the most uninspiring seven game winning streaks that i could imagine yeah like two points over Brooklyn. That was a fun game, but I mean, still only two points. Five points against New York. That was a bad game. The Raptors didn't play mm-hmm. well in that one. Spurs. They. I mean, they. They were a little bit lucky to beat the Spurs there. Even Washington was a little dicey. 
Yeah, like they haven't really had a convincing win in that stretch. I mean, they they dusted the Clippers, I guess. Um, yeah, well, and, and, and the 76ers. They had and, the and they had that win over the Sixers, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they had a couple good wins there, but I just, I, I continue to feel like they don't really ever put together complete performances. Uh, the defense remains kind of disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. And... There's just like a vibe about the team that it's not like I don't get a, a feeling of of cohesion of like joyfulness from the way that they play like it's a little ragged um, <clears throat> and a lot of times you know they kind of get by on talent but yeah they talent um, win a lot of wins but I feel like rare is the game where it just feels like everything is clicking um, and, and the games that I've felt that way are are usually the games where Kawhi is not playing. Mm. Um, and there's like just like a little bit more zip, and everybody I feel like plays a little bit looser. And like I don't want to put that on Kawhi, but it it seems like there's definitely a, a attitudinal shift I feel like that goes on when he is not out there. And I just don't I don't know how to reconcile that um, with the fact that he is obviously the team's best player, and like they very much need him to go where they're trying to go. Mm. Um, but it just worries me that 60 plus games into the season, they still haven't figured out how, how to do that, uh, while he is on the floor. Well, I mean, how much of his game is, um, like how much of his game is permissible in terms of a team concept, right? Cause we saw in San Antonio, like, you know, he was like a three and D guy for a while and a really good one, but he was like, basically, you know, Trevor Reza with big hands. And then, um, you know, he had this breakout in about 2015, 2016, where he started taking on more individual offense. And it became clear that, holy crap, this guy's really efficient. And he can really create buckets. But he sort of, his development into a superstar has really been that he has embraced this sort of um, isolation style game. And like even the Spurs, I mean, the Spurs are known for ball movement, passing the ball around, you know, uh, cut, cutting, shooting, everything like that, and movement. And um, even in 2016 and 17, when Kawhi, I think he finished third in MVP voting. Um, arguably had a better case than Westbrook, who actually won the, the thing, but whatever. Um, and they were very successful, like 60-plus wins. Um, but Kawhi was mostly playing isolation during that season, and it's sort of the same style he's played now. So how much of it is just about Kawhi's game um, struggling to fit within the confines of like uh, you know a, a team system? I think that is part of it, um, but I think it's also just like the way that the players around him react to his being there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like it's kind of chicken and egg. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they they defer to him, and I think sometimes are overly deferential to him, uh, and and you know he responds by sort of taking on the load that they seem to expect him to take on when he's on the floor. Um, so it's kind of a two way street in that regard. I mean, the, the player that I noticed. Uh, it about most is Lowry. Yeah, like, definitely. He 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 just looks like a completely different player uh, when when he's playing without Kawhi. Like he's pushing the tempo, he's aggressive, he's looking for his shot, like he's driving to the rim. Um, and so often when he's out there with Kawhi, it's like I, he's still making things happen. But offensively, there's so many times when he'll just kind of drift, and he'll be standing out like five feet beyond the arc, mm-hmm. um, kind of watching things happen. Um, and, you know, every so often he'll kind of, like, cut through the paint and, like, um, like go set an off-ball screen. But it's, like, so often it's it's just, like, superfluous anyway. Like, it's just, like, not even really a decoy. Um, he's just kind of there to watch. And I don't know, man. I think – I don't want to read too much of it, into it, and I don't want to, like, psychoanalyze him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I – just can't help getting the sense that there is like some kind of psychological block there when uh when they're out there together he just doesn't he doesn't play with the same kind of freedom um and i don't know i don't know what that's about (laughs) um and and as for Kawhi himself i just like he's obviously been great for large portions of the season he's carried them to some wins uh he's been really really good offensively for the most part uh, I don't think he's been particularly good defensively, honestly. Like, like by his own standards, at least. By his own standards, he, he's definitely good defensively. Um, but he's just not he taking as much up. initiative. Yeah, like he can turn it up, and we've seen like there have definitely been some games, specifically against Philly. I feel like those are the games where it stood out the most. Right. Um, 
but their games when it's just like not really there like the attentiveness isn't there uh the aggressiveness isn't there like he will kind of get beat off the dribble like he'll get beat on back cuts um yeah i don't know i've i've been like kind of not that impressed by his defense like a, like when when he's locked in like it's so incredible to watch yeah, i just feel like those moments have been have been kind of few and far between um and i think they've defended quite a bit better with him on the bench though i, I haven't actually looked at those steps recently so um, um yeah i mean one thing that to to point over the defense i think um in that spurs game right like he was really tasked to guard uh demar like he you know obviously there's that final play where him and larry swarmed the bar which is by the way just so unfortunate for DeMar DeRosa. Like, that is the most unfortunate way to lose, right? Like, all he had to do was yeah. bring the ball up and then wait to get fouled and hit some free throws. And the Spurs probably walk away with that win, and DeMar could really, you know, have an upper hand there and say he got redemption and stuff like that. But for him, who had a – and DeMar had a good game too. He was torching a lot of people. For him to bring the ball up and then lose the ball to his form, his best friend – and then Kawhi Leonard, the guy who he got traded for, who takes the ball and it goes the other way for the game-winning dunk. Like, it is just – that's – that's. I mean, I've seen DeMar lose a lot of tough losses. That is a really, really tough loss for DeMar. Um, but, I mean, yeah, in that game, right, like, you know, Kawhi was supposed to be guarding DeMar a lot. And, you know, the Spurs knew, obviously, don't go with Kawhi. So they were intentionally bringing ball screens. And it was kind of – you know, he, he whatever. Switching happens a lot in the modern NBA nowadays. But, like, Kawhi really didn't make too much of an effort to stay on, you know, DeMar wasn't like he was resisting the screen and making it a little bit harder, like, staying attached, and, you know, he just wasn't making as big of an effort, and I I think the point about Philly is true, like, when he got put on Simmons, like, okay, then that's when you actually see Kawhi on the other team's primary um, playmaker, and you could see how disruptive he can be when he's on that role, but a lot of the times, the Raptors have just gone with Danny Green on the opponent's best player, um... And it's just strange, right? It's sort of like there's like, you know, the the it's like load... more load management. Exactly, there's load management within the game, and there's load management, you know, coming into the game before that too. So, I agree. It's it's sort of been an odd uh, season for Kawhi. I think, you know, in terms of his playmaking things like that, like I think that's one of the things where it's hard for him to establish chemistry with other guys because most of what he does really well is um, finish. Like he's a really good like you know you can he can run some pick and rolls and he can throw a couple of assists but really that's not his strength his strength is getting his own shot and scoring and he's really good at doing that um, but it, I think that's where it's a little bit tougher for his teammates to play off of him because I I don't really think that there is too much um, that he can consistently run where it's Kawhi with Lowry or Kawhi with Danny or Kawhi with Ibaka or even Kawhi with Pascal I think that one is probably the best connection. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just I don't think my thing is I just don't think his game individually is that conducive within a team concept. You know what I mean? Like he likes to touch and feel the ball, and he's mostly a finisher. When that's okay, it's it, it really is okay. I'm just it's just I think that explains it. Yeah, I mean I'm almost less concerned about that than just kind of what I was saying before, where it it seems like um and and maybe this is just to be expected given the way that Kawhi plays and given the kind of sacrifices that are necessary when you're playing alongside him, but. Um, you know, Kawhi's usage rate is not that much different from what DeRozan's has been the last few years. Mm -hmm. And, but for whatever reason, um, you know, Lowry could coexist with DeRozan and still be aggressive, still push the tempo. Like, uh, and it just for like, I don't know why, but it hasn't, it hasn't gelled the same way with Kawhi. I mean, I guess I could surmise why, like you, there's a difference, I suppose, between playing with somebody that you trust and that you've played with for years and years and that you have an off-court relationship with compared to playing with somebody who, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't have a good sense of what of what Lowry and Kawhi's relationship is like, but it seems strictly professional to me. And, um, Well, I mean, there was I, that time where we said, you stupid, the same burglary. <laughs> come on. That One was, time. That was a good One friendship time. moment. I can't believe we had a post-game Kawhi because um, you know that that used to happen all the time with Demar and Kyle, just you know, clowning right. each other in the post games. I can't believe that happened with Kawhi. That was that was pretty great. <laughs> I just this is kind of another sort of feeling I have about the team, and it has nothing. Well, maybe it does have something to do with it, but um, I can't 
I can't make that kind of judgment. I'll just say like ostensibly it doesn't really have anything to do with with how they play on on the court, but like it's it's different, right? Like when when your best player is somebody who um is sort of defiantly unemotional mm-hmm. and I like I don't want this to come off as a value judgment. Like I don't I don't know what Kawhi is like in his personal life. You know, he might be a perfectly nice funny guy. Um but like his outward facing persona is pretty charmless mm-hmm. and you know he doesn't like ever get particularly excited about stuff like you don't really see him like joking around with teammates or bigging them up like he kind of keeps to himself and i i just get the sense of that like i don't want to say it casts a shadow over the team but it changes the dynamic a bit no yeah i would say i mean i i don't know i i think the the public facing aspect of the team is not probably the same as the in, it like you know the it, what it is within right if i think Kawhi is more vocal around his teammates um than what he is vocal towards the media and so you know i think it, it's sort of a, a comparison thing we're sort of seeing the difference between what it was with demar who was very public facing and also you know with his teammates as well just a pretty open guy overall Whereas Kawhi sort of seems to be pretty open with his teammates, but, you know, doesn't have too much interest in, you know, talking to the media and everything like that. And I don't know if we could just conflate the two of them. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'm not like, and again, I didn't want to conflate the two of them. I guess I'm just maybe talking about this from like a fan perspective and the feeling okay. that I have about this yeah. season. And it's like, I don't know, like, do you think that Kawhi Leonard is a fun player to root for? Yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense that he's like, obviously a very fantastic player and yes. you know he's come up huge for the Raptors and it really does it's actually really nice to watch a player who where you're like I'm confident he could do almost anything we need him to do you know right. what I mean like there is nothing that it's like oh crap this matchup is so outrageous that you can't expect Kawhi to do anything about it like there are a lot of times where DeMar got overpowered you know whatever it's like the opponent was too great right whereas now you're like you got Kawhi and you're like yeah if he plays to his if he plays to his full energy and potential, like we have the best player on the floor, so that that's a great feeling. Um, and I think he's actually created a couple of moments where it's been fun. But I think the part that's just not fun about rooting for him is sort of like uh, it really just stems to the the free agency thing. Like it, it really mm-hmm. is just like uh, anytime he does anything, and it's sort of like oh he stay he stay he stay, and it's like yeah you know I, I don't care. I, I really don't care right now. Like I I do care, but like I don't care right now, and it's not something I want to always think about. You know what I mean? Like. Like let's say oh, yeah. you're, I don't want to think about it every time it's like particularly cold outside, bro. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Like, what, okay, so I came back from vacation in in, in Colombia. I was in Cartagena where it was like 33 degrees, and uh, I came home. And the morning after, I went to get my mail, and I stepped out, and there was like a patch of black ice, and I slipped, and like I fell <sighs> right on my ass. And the first, the only, the first thing I thought about was, I hope this never have happened to Kawhi Leonard ever. This year, I hope I hope Bobby Webster is salting his his <laughs> pavement every morning. Yeah, dude, um, seriously. No, but seriously, um, it's like the 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 nagging worry. But I mean, like, that's not on him necessarily. You know what I mean? That's just the circumstance, and it's and it's sort of something where you you can step back and say it's okay. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 to ignore that is kind of dishonest. Like, yeah, the fact that he even the load management thing that doesn't really bother me as much. I kind of just accept that he has like. A pitch, like a pitch uh, limit type of, uh, you know, management. And it's just it strange to see in basketball, but if you do believe that he has that injury, which I really do believe that he has that injury, the quad one, then, you know, that's apparently part of it. It really have to manage the load. It's, it's hilarious. It's just, yeah, <clears throat> I can't get too upset about that, like, especially just considering, you know, what the goal is and, and the fact that, presumably this is just going to help him be in the best possible shape going into the playoffs. So to me, it's not a bad thing. Um, and, and they're 13 and four when he doesn't play. So again, yeah, uh, it's hard to be too upset about that. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it was interesting. Like that, that game against the Spurs was so emotionally complicated. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought it was interesting how the crowd reacted um, to both Kawhi and Demar, and I actually thought they were like very perceptive. Like they right. they the, gave Demar the, that like huge ovation, right. um, but like they also gave Kawhi a huge ovation, you know, and, and made it clear that like their their love for Demar did not preclude them, you know, appreciating Kawhi 
in the same kind of way. It's just, you know, they, that whole night was like about sentimentality and emotion and like the whole sort of bargain that the Raptors made or the choice that they made was like, they chose winning over sentiment. Um, and, and the fans at the end of the game, like chose the same thing. Like it was nice to, to like root for DeMar and like to cheer every time he touched the ball early in the game. But like at the end of the game, when Lowry was getting those stops on him and like when Kawhi ripped the ball away and went in for a dunk, it was like pandemonium. It was actually and, you know, really at the end of the day. Like the, it was really funny when the crowd at the end was like, oh, crap, we should cheer. We should chant MVP for Kawhi. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah. realistically, Kawhi played worse than DeMar in that game. Oh, absolutely he did. Like, yeah, Kawhi was looking real sh- – like, he looked terrible in the first half. He was just really good down the stretch, though. Like, he, he took over the offense, and he was great. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and it's just – That turnaround? At the end of the day, was... that's – yeah, that turnaround he had, like, you know, and, and again, like, at the end of the game, like, he was eliciting huge applause, mm-hmm. and I don't think anyone was – I was I was thinking to myself like when Demar had the ball and they were down one, mm-hmm. um, and it was you, you could kind of see that fairy tale moment potentially unfolding the way it did for Dwayne Casey. Um, I was wondering sort of what kind of reaction that would get, and I was thinking it would probably be on par with with what happened with Jeremy Lin. Oh, like you seven think years so? Ago. Oh man, wait, you think less? Yeah, definitely. The Raptors. Okay, okay, come on. In 2012, people like people liked the Raptors, mistakes. but yeah. it was sort of like, yo, I don't want to cheer for any team that employs Linus Clayza. But like, <laughs> <laughs> now it's different, man. We actually legitimately like the Raptors for the Raptors. <laughs> so you don't think he would have gotten like applause no. the same kind of way? No, I think it would have been like groans immediately, and then maybe a little bit afterwards. Like he, because he's walking off the floor, and maybe he gets a little smattering of applause afterwards. But no, nah. I, I think, think he would have got a, he would have got a standing O as he walked off the floor. Really, for I beating so. the Raptors, that would look so bad. <laughs> that would look so bad. I'm I'm so happy Kyle was there to thwart Demar at every. Yo, Kyle defending Demar was actually just so much fun to watch. <laughs> also, Demar's quote about it afterwards was just perfection. Oh yeah, definitely. Um. Anyway, yeah, so I just thought that was it, it made for like a, an interesting inflection point and like mm-hmm. a chance to to like assess, right? Because of course, like for the longest time, like the Raptors didn't like they maybe were like fringe fringe contenders, but what they really were were just like a good story and a team that made you feel good because there was like a lot of um a lot of trust between them and a lot of continuity and like friendships that we'd actually just seen grow from like the ground up. Yeah. Um they were selling obviously, a sitcom. A little. Bit. They were honestly selling a sitcom <laughs> more than they were selling the basketball. The basketball was good, but right. the sitcom was definitely part of it. And this is the thing: Kawhi just refuses to be in that sitcom. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and and yeah, I mean, and and at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is winning, right? And that that was what you got a sense of down mm-hmm. the stretch of that game, where it's yeah. like, yeah, okay, Demar, we love you, but like, we need to win this game. Yeah. And and Kawhi was the guy who helped them win it. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, maybe this. Uh, doesn't really matter. I, I'm an emotional person, and I watch the game in an emotional way. So I can't say that it doesn't affect me at all. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would like for Kawhi to be like more interested in in um, just like, and, and I don't want to. It doesn't even matter like whether he plays ball with the media, like because Lowry doesn't really do that, and it doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, it's more just like what like his body language and what I see from him, like when he's on the floor. It's just very one note. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I think that he cares uh, about the team to an extent. I think he he's focused on the season and he would love to win a championship here. But um, I don't know. I think there's I think it's fair to question, like, the level of investment that he has um, compared to, say, like, h- how you would feel about Kyle. Well, I mean, I think I both I think both Kawhi and Kyle have had their commitments to the team question. I think Kyle is really it was really just that back injury. You know, and the, and that random report that he was he was he was ducking Masai's calls in the off season, which, you know, right? How, how mean, eager are you to return your boss's call when you're <laughs> on vacation? I don't know. And he just traded your best friend. And he just traded your best friend, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, ultimately, these are very first class <clears throat> problems. Well, I think sure. first world problems. Like, we should really, really stress that because Kawhi has been phenomenal. But um, I think these are valid points, and I think. I think the the more concerning thing really is just like the fact that he's not shooting particularly well recently. Like if you yeah. go back over his last uh six games, he's shooting thirty seven percent from the field and twenty five percent from deep. 
which is just strange. And I think um, that Spurs game especially, he was really, really off. And even that Knicks game, like, he, <laughs> it was odd. I think it does take him a, a bit of time to recover. Um, and when he when he takes – like, when he rests – there's some player when they're, like, they rest and then they come back and they're, like, really fresh and they play really well. And there are some players who rest and then they're, like, they're, like just rusty. And I think Kawhi is definitely the other kind where, you know, he's rusty after these rest games. And so we'll see what happens against Boston. But um, let's uh, let's move off Kawhi a little bit and talk about uh, the, two, the two new guys, Gasol and Lynn. What are, what have you thought of the two of them so far? Because to me, I feel like it's hard to judge them right now because I don't think they know what they're doing. I think that's definitely fair. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm willing to play a wait and see with that. Um, I mean, you know, we've talked about it. Uh, on the record, I, I was not as fond of the Gasol trade as mm-hmm. you were. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I kind of saw it more as a, a lateral move than as an upgrade. And I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to give him time to sort of figure out the offense uh, and, and just like get a little bit more familiar uh, with his teammates. But like, just physically, I, I can't say that I've been super impressed with how he's moving around the court right now. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean. Yeah, I he's mean, look, very he's, very slow yeah he he looks like a big teddy bear it's it's kind of adorable <laughs> i mean he's I, I think yeah it's pretty clear he's strictly like a half court player and i think defensively he's actually had some moments where it's sort of been really shaky in terms of how he's rotated i think the vucevic game was uh, against orlando that was the one where it was like i mean you didn't really want to start a block against vucevic because i think vooch had like a 30 20 game against the pocket like the last yeah. meeting but oh, yeah. also at the same time, like Vooch is just getting wide open shots, and uh, see, this is why. Yeah, this is, I, I said this on on Twitter and like got a, a bit of clap back, uh, notably from Sean Woodley. But like, I I would have no interest in seeing the Magic in a playoff series because I I don't know what they would do with Vucevic, and they haven't really shown any ability to deal with him. Um, mm-hmm. Whether whether it's been JV or Serge or Gasol, has JV um, played him? I. Th- yeah, he must have in one that, of those that, first that two first games. Game? No, that first game where Danny Green hit a game winner. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Was he? Oh, yeah, I guess he wasn't healthy for that second game. That makes sense. Yeah, that's why they got. Um, that's why they got marked. Yeah, that, yeah. So, um, I think yeah, stretchy bigs uh, would worry me. I mean, Horford would give me a bit oh of concern. Well, uh, Ibaka's to, to to be fair, Ibaka's really played Horford well. It's really the that's true. the stretchy bigs that can also go in the post a little bit. Because yeah. Ibaka was just really struggling physically to handle uh, Vucevic. Yeah, I mean, Vucevic had four, 14 points and 18 rebounds in the game where JB was player. So, okay. it wasn't like, so, you know, it wasn't a great game, but also, that's still pretty good. In yeah. any case, Vucevic might just be really good. <laughs> He's really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think as long... As long as Gasol's out there, if there's a kind of dynamic five like that, uh, the the Raptors are going to be vulnerable to, you know, a one-five pick and roll. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I do, like, you've seen all the IQ stuff uh, that was so highly touted about Gasol. He, he's put that on display, his passing, his, you know, defensive positioning, um, and just his ability to kind of go vertical and just overwhelm people with size. Mm-hmm. As long as, you know, he's close enough to the rim. But, like, to defending in space uh it's been a bit of an adventure <laughs> and uh there was one place stuck out to me um in uh in that game against the magic when like lowry was trying to save a ball from going out of bounds he kind of dove oh, to save it <laughs> and it sort of bounced like two feet from where gasol was standing and instead of taking literally like one step to corral that ball he just sort of lunged lazily for it and and watched it roll out of bounds um so yeah, I don't know if he if he's shaking off some rust from having a week off um, or what, but but he's not moving particularly well right now, and uh, it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, I think physically, like he's obviously not as. I mean, he's thirty four years old. I think that's sort of the the beginning and the end of it, right? Like he's just not in his peak physical form anymore, and. Um, I think though, like in a half court game, it is really going to help. I think the the main positive I see with Gasol, uh, obviously, is the playmaking and sort of not just playmaking, but 
like the versatility in which you can run your offense. Now you have a guy where it's another point. Like it's like having another Lowry on the floor, except he's a big man, right? Where he, this guy can create for others, and really when he has the ball, like there are other options you can do on offense. You know, mm-hmm. you can get a good shot out of that, and and uh, you compare that to JV, for example. JV was like strictly a finisher. He's going to finish, but and he was really efficient at finishing plays. But, like, you know, JV can only be used in JV ways, whereas Gasol sort of tries to help everyone else. And um, I think the one guy that, that – it didn't really dawn on me immediately, but it's watching him and uh, – watching Gasol and Larry play together, I feel like just – you know, the biggest thing with Larry is also age, right? Like, he just, like, he can't really create his own offense anymore. But, like, if he can play more of those two-man sequences with Gasol and if Larry can pop out and – you know, for three, or if he could, uh, you know, cut to the rim and, and play the two-man game with Gasol. Like, I feel like that could rejuvenate Lowry scoring individually. Yeah, um, and I think actually Lowry's looked physically quite a bit better the last yeah, couple of weeks. Definitely. Um, and you know, he, him and Gasol had a really nice give and go the last game. Um, I feel like they're starting to develop a little bit of chemistry, and it'll always be easier for guys like that who just think the game at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Like they'll figure things out quicker than yeah, he's definitely on the same wavelength with. as Kyle right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, to me, it just comes down to like, look, with Valanciunas, uh, he was a great finisher, and so what you need from Gasol then, who's not as good of a finisher, is to create looks that are going to be as efficient for other people. And right. I think that that is the challenge. You like, first of all, that that requires being surrounded with the right players. Um, and I, I do think, you know, even though he did, he had a pretty bad game or at least a pretty bad start to that game against the magic, I do think that starting him is the right move. Okay. I, I just think his skills are, are more valuable when he like, especially like a guy like Siakam, like if, if he's playing alongside Gasol, I feel like, I don't know, man, I, I to, to a certain extent, I think Gasol's skills almost go to waste when he's playing with the bench units that just like can't really make use of his playmaking abilities. Yeah, um, I I would say like the one like, I, I guess to play devil's advocate like if you start Gasol, I feel like he doesn't really fit with the pace of the f- of first unit. You know what I mean? Abak is pretty fast going up and down the floor, um, and I think he would lose a bit of that. And I also feel like Ibaka these days is actually rebounding a lot better than Gasol is, and so I I would actually need to see Gasol rebound a little bit better because we know Siakam can rebound, but better you know he's he's better off leaking out and finishing and transition and stuff so um i don't know man i don't know i, th- I can see arguments you know for for both sides I-, I think ultimately though the raptors should continue to play matchups i know they they need to establish chemistry things like that but like yeah it's a, they'll figure it out like if they both have 10 games to to basically try to establish chemistry and they split the starts like you know th- that's enough time at least for me um and I don't think you necessarily need to go with a set sort of approach, right? Like, I think what worked really well earlier in the season was sort of, um, you know, JV would play against the big guys, just like Gasol should play against the big guys now. And then, uh, you know, Ibaka will play against the spacier guys, right? And why does that have to change? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I guess, I don't know, it depends about, it, it depends on how you want to look at it, right? Like, you can look at it as a, an opportunity to maybe make your opponent adjust. Um, if you think that that's a worthwhile trade-off, um, and I, and I don't really know where I fall, uh, along those lines, but it's like, if you think that you can leverage an advantage by playing Gasol at center, um, you know, against maybe like a smaller, but stretchier big, um, do you want to try and press that advantage or do you want to just try and sort of match up, um, and and I don't really know what the answer is, but I think I think you're probably right. Like, you know, Serge has been good enough that I think you can continue playing him against um, against those stretchier bigs. But I mean, it's not like Serge isn't like hyper mobile either. No, <laughs> you know, like no. I mean, it varies with Serge. It really does. There are some yeah. games where you're like that Hawks game when he came out. I'm like, man, this is, <laughs> it's apparent really early on if Serge is going to play defense or not. When he does play defense, yeah. is a huge difference. But. Um... Yeah, like for example, tomorrow against the Celtics, like I would start Surge. Period. It's just, uh, against Horford, but you know, against other teams, I I think the Gasol thing is really going to need to shake itself out. And also, I think like they need to continuously give the ball to Gasol 
and let him make decisions and let him get comfortable in terms of where everyone's going to go and how people are going to react. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's one thing to bring in a guy who's just going to, you know, be a finisher or, you know, I don't know, be a standstill catch and shoot guy. Like Gasol is going to be very involved in the offense. So you really do need to ride it out right now and let everyone sort of, uh, get used to what he does. Um, so I, I think he's already getting a lot of elbow touches, stuff like that. I think that's good stuff. Um, what about Lynn? Um, I mean, he had a really bad game against Orlando. Yeah, I thought was he was tough. Uh, he had a great stretch in that fourth quarter against the Spurs mm-hmm. um, and kind of kept the wraps in that game, I thought, uh, which just, you know, he made a couple plays, like hit a couple jumpers off the dribble uh had a really nice uh sort of pick and roll where he gnashed it like went under the rim um Serge got the seal uh, and and Lynn made a nice pass to find him under the basket um yeah I mean you know his skill set to me is valuable like I think it'll be really important um and for him again it's just I think a, a question of like getting comfortable um but you know I don't really have any concerns about him as a backup point guard I think it was a, a great addition and <clears throat> like he was the guy that they needed. Uh, and I think, you know, ultimately he has a role to play and I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really worry about him at all. Do you? Uh, no, not too much. I would say that, uh, he is going to be inconsistent though. Like he, he is sort of like streaky. Yeah. Um, and so we, we are going to see ups and downs. I think overall, in the, wow, did Bruno just hit a clutch yeah, three against the I'm, I'm, I'm watching the game. <laughs> I was Yo, just about to comment on that three. That the, was huge. Le- the Lakers are about to lose to the Grizzlies. By the way, can we just take a quick sidebar for, for LeBron uh, lecturing his teammates on like, what are you completely focused on basketball while LeBron has like eight different agencies going the on? The guy literally just announced that he was going to start filming <laughs> Space Jam too this summer. Yo, Le- I, I, I love LeBron, but like the, he's so shameless about some of this stuff. Like, yeah. How could you take him seriously sometimes, you know? I don't know, man. This has been a tough season for it. I mean, his legacy is like locked away in an yeah, armored safe. Like it's, for it's sure. secure, but this has not been a great season for his legacy. Oh, um, man. But yeah, back to Lynn, I would say, I think the one thing uh, that I wouldn't say it's a worry, but like, I don't know if he is as viable. Like, I know that he's not as viable in those two point guard lineups as Belon is mm-hmm. because just like guarding twos, I don't, I mean, it's a downgrade defensively, oh, like definitely. straight up. Like he's, um, a, he's not that bad defensively. Like he's actually made a couple of plays, but it's clear. He's definitely a downgrade from Belon. Defensively. Yeah. So, I mean you're obviously going to see him like playing with Fred when Fred comes back mm-hmm. um, on some of those second units. And I just, I don't know. I guess I worry a bit about whether that's going to be viable uh, at the defensive end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's played, he, he's played some minutes alongside Lowry. I think they've actually looked pretty good together, but uh, you know, come playoff time. I don't, I don't know if you want to have Lynn like playing the two very often. And if, and if he's mm-hmm. not, then where, where are the minutes for him going to come from? Well, I mean, okay. How about how about we look at it team by team, right? Like, I mean, the first round we don't t- we don't worry too much about unless apparently Vucevic. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's weird for the Raptors. Like, we got Kawhi, we got Gasol, we got Siakam breaking out, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, can we can we get past Vucevic? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, he if you're if you're just going by like the season series, he's been like by far the best player in yes, the season series. I, I, um. Okay, let, but yeah, in terms of the top top. Uh, four teams, right? Like against Milwaukee, I feel like you could probably stash Lynn. Um, I don't know on Brogdon. Like Brogdon's a pretty good driver, but like you could kind of yeah, get he's away a with very it. good driver. What about George Hill? You could stash him on George Hill. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so you you got okay, so you got George Hill, and then I, I guess Freddie could guard Bledsoe or. I guess Brogdon. That's it's not ideal. It's it's not ideal. Okay, what about Man, like the Sixers? I just want just brief interlude. So there have been like a few possessions uh, this year where where Fred has guarded Brogdon and Brogdon just looks huge. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, you're right. He, he he just like as soon as he sees that matchup, he just takes Fred into the post. Um, so maybe not, but okay. Uh, to be fair, yeah, Brogdon has kind of bullied even Kyle. Yeah, he has, man. He's quite strong, and uh, he's really good at using his size to get to his spots. Yeah. I'm a fan. He's a good player. I, I, I like him, too. 
really like no nonsense though. Like no flash to his game whatsoever, but just like straight to the point scoring. He's yeah. he's he's like Kawhi as a guard. Yeah. Um Yeah, okay, so Jeremy I mean against Boston, like I guess you have to put Jeremy on like a Marcus Smart. That's not great. Yeah, it's not great. It's not terrible. I don't I don't think you worry too much about like you know, smart hurting you at the offensive end, although he's randomly shooting like 38% from three this year. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, look, it's not like, I don't think it's going to be impossible. I, I just think there are going to be times where he's out there playing the two and you're like, uh, true. <laughs> you, you might have to have a quick hook, you know, it would be better if the Raptors had a bigger point guard for him to play alongside of. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, we knew this though about Lynn, right? Like he's really there for his offense. I, I called him Asian Lou Williams, <laughs> except, except I kind of regret that because then I looked at the stats and Jeremy hasn't hit a single three yet with the Raptors. It's, it's been unfortunate. I think it's like, oh, of eight. Yikes. But, uh, yeah, he, he can occasionally hit a three. It is what it is. They're uh, to be honest, a lot of that is unfamiliarity. Like they're not, they don't really know what they're doing offensively yet. Um, and he's right. had to create a lot of his own offense. The other thing we're really on to touch quickly on, the other newcomer, Jody Meeks. Oof. Fresh off the PEDs, baby. <laughs> he is... Um, he, might he, still be on him, judging by uh, his I, performance <laughs> in almost a year. <laughs> Yo, just in that second quarter alone. That was Oof. wild. Ten yeah. points in that second quarter, hit some threes. The crowd seemed to get really excited when he took some threes in the fourth quarter. And I was... I was shocked at the reception that Jody Meeks was getting, but uh, yeah, I mean he, uh, he he. I mean, I don't know. I don't mind keeping Jody. Why not? He's also yeah. a bit small, but he could definitely shoot. Um. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they want him to be part of their regular rotation. I don't think they should want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll definitely be a defensive liability. But if you just need some kind of microwave offense off the bench, uh, having another shooter is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Damn, this is unfor- This is really upsetting, man. The Grizzlies are going to blow this. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers have had a 5-0 run in the last couple of seconds here. They're only down two with a minute left. Jeez. Can no, Bru- can- Br- By the way, who's guarding LeBron? Is Bruno on LeBron? Yeah, Bruno's guarding LeBron. <laughs> it's all happening, man. Yo. <laughs> That's incredible. Chandler Parsons came back from the dead. He's 2 of 10. Dude, Jaron Jackson, is he out for the oh, year? God. Uh, I don't know. But somehow, he, somehow he's injured, and Chavy it still isn't closing games. He's like, so who's closing he, games? Joakim Noah. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, yo, okay. By the way, Joakim Noah's actually had a nice comeback. Loki, he has. Loki. He, he he would make it into court vision, but alas. <laughs> um, wow, Chandler Parsons though that that guy stole so much money. Yeah, good good on him. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't believe there were at one point two teams eager to sign him to the maximum contract. And it was Portland who got snubbed, just like in the Hito Turkoglu situation. Except, just like the Hito Turkoglu situation, it was a bullet dodged. Yeah. Evan Turner was much better. And that's not saying <laughs> a lot, but that is saying a lot in the chase of Chandler Parsons. They got bailed out on that NS Cantor offer sheet, too. Yeah, and then uh, they got like him for like the minimum. Set. Yeah, they've been bailed out of some bad offer sheets. Yeah, they really have, huh? Alan Crabb. Well, they they bailed the Nets out of that one. Although somehow they got the Nets to take it back. So yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. Just like to to sum up, like what do you? Where do you feel the team is at right now? Like, do you feel confident about them heading down the stretch? Because I kind of don't. Uh, I wouldn't say confident. It's really just like. I know what the ceiling of the team can be, and it's sort of just like I've seen individual players have such great games, and it's sort of just they have this amount of time to put it all together. So it's really, I think, uh, this one is just on Nick Nurse. It's like how much do you trust Nick Nurse, which I think is another conversation that we can have. But, like, you know, it's not like I was expecting miracles, but also at the same time I'm kind of looking at it and I'm like, huh, this is less than the sum of its parts right now. And it's kind of weird to feel about the Raptors. The Raptors have always been more than the sum of their parts. Right. Um, and maybe that's because their parts weren't as talented as they are now. Not ever, really. But when you look at it now, you're like, eh, they could be better. They should be better. I'm willing to give them a couple games. Uh, you know, like, I, I want to see, like, 10 straight games where everyone is healthy. I don't think it's realistic. I mean, 
it's not realistic. Freddie's not in the lineup. But um, even 10 straight games where most of the players are healthy, Kawhi's not managing loads or whatever. Um, and I want to see what Nurse ultimately settles on. Because, like, it's a little bit late in the season to be experimenting, but he has kind of no choice, right? He has all these new pieces who are going to play prominent roles. So what can he do? So I'm reserving judgment a little bit, but I think ultimately it's going to come down to Nick Nurse because I think you probably agree on this too, right? The Raptors have enough talent to make it out and go to the finals. It's just can they find a cohesive structure to uh, to maximize all the pieces? Yeah, and I just it's it's getting late, you know. It's getting um, real late, yeah. So I think that's why I'm starting to feel a little bit anxious because you know we're three quarters of the way through the regular season and it doesn't it doesn't feel like the pieces have coalesced at all. Um, you know, mm-hmm. except for in, in some stretches, but, um, I don't know. It's just a feeling that I have, I guess. Um, and the fact that they, th- there hasn't been a whole lot of consistency in their performance mm-hmm. from game to game, from quarter to quarter. Uh, they're kind of all over the map and I don't know. I guess I just don't entirely know what the team is. Uh, and maybe that's because they haven't had any luck on the health front and they've had to run out all these different lineups and, um, it, it just like, hasn't been ideal, but I don't know. I, I still feel like even given all of those circumstances, I kind of hope they'd be a little bit further along than they are now. And like, I agree t- that that's acknowledging that they're 44 and 17 and Kawhi's missed like 18 games and like Kyle's missed like a month plus you know and then they made these trades like it's a lot it is a lot for a coach to handle it really is but I Mm -hmm. ultimately think that like you know it's you got to deal with the situation in front of you and Nick Nurse has a pretty tough hand to be to be to be managing but he I mean I I really don't want it to be like how much do I trust Nick Nurse I really didn't want it to come down out of this, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay, let's take a quick break right here, and then when we come back, we'll take a couple Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Today. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Wolfon. We're taking your Twitter questions. Gonna race them a little bit here. Um, okay, first one from Rex Rexlington Ruthless. Um, if playoffs start tomorrow, does the East have the best stories? Raps versus KC, Boston, Philly, Indy Nets. What's the Indy Nets story? <laughs> Indy Nets. <laughs> Two teams that definitely won't win. <laughs> I guess they'll play each other. It'll be awkward, but I I love I, both of those teams. So. I, I, uh, yo, yeah, speak about uh, Wes that, Matthews. That's that's the story, I guess. It's just two teams that I really like. Speak about Wes Matthews and his his what he's brought to the Pacers in Oladipo's absence. Oh, brother, he's not bad. He's okay. I think he just like he tries to do a little bit more than he's capable of I mean, a lot of the time. He's better than Tyreek Evans, though. Yeah, that's really sad. Tyreek I was so high on that signing, man. He was so good last year. Yeah, and he sucks now. He sucks. Yeah. Just don't get any Grizzlies. That's the advice, all right? <laughs> don't trade for a Grizzlies player. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, I guess to answer the question, I would say I think I, in the first round I'd be way more excited about the Western Conference in the first round because I feel like they're going to be more competitive series. Hmm. Um, I mean, to me, like, the only series that's going to be competitive in the East first round is, well, I don't know, man. The Magic have been pretty good lately. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So but like the four, like the the four or five will be exciting, and I think the rest will sort of be chalk. Uh, and I feel like the West, you know, apart from the one eight, is going to be like a anyone can win uh, free for all. So I think the the better stories in the first round will be in the West. I think in the second round it'll definitely be in the East, mm. just because those top four teams are also good. Yeah, um, I would love to see Celtics Sixers in the first round. And then Celtics Bucks in the second round. That'd be great. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm sorry to say. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Pacers have been doing well. Uh, you know, even though they lost a lot of people, I think they pulled out like an 8-1 eight, eight stretch. Although they just lost to the Pistons. So that's not a very good sign. The Pistons are okay, though. I, I actually wouldn't mind playing the Pistons in the first round. Like, Blakers are like a real issue. 
And I think, oh my God, Blake had a 20-10-10 game today. That's that's impressive with five threes. Um, and now that they have Ellington, like that's another guy that hurts the Raptors. But I think ultimately the Raptors should be able to handle the Pistons. And it would just be fun, um, you know, to see the Raptors. You know, like look, you could take a bus to go to Detroit and watch the Raptors. Probably be cheaper than the home, than the games at the ACC. Definitely, actually. Cheaper. Absolutely. Definitely cheaper. <laughs> yeah, bus fare and all. Yeah. Accommodations. Uh, yep. You could probably, yeah. instead of Airbnb, you could probably just buy a house. <laughs> It'd still uh, be cheaper than a Raptors. Probably. Um, um, yeah. No, I think I think the East has a lot of good stories. I'm also really eager to see how the Bucks do in the playoffs because I really don't have any really, like, arguments against the Bucks. I don't really see a team adjusting to the Bucks in some kind of way that's going to miraculously solve things. Um, uh, you know, so I don't know. I'm I'm just hoping that the Bucks somehow wilt in the playoffs, but uh, somehow I doubt it. Um, I think that like they're a little bit vulnerable against Boston. And... They're definitely vulnerable against Boston, but I think that's probably the one team they want to avoid seeing Boston. Like even without Kyrie, they they the Celtics really still came real close to beating them. Well, yeah, not, not without Kyrie. Just, Kyrie shot like five of twenty or something like that. Yeah, he had a terrible game. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, even just look, Kyrie like a an underrated ability of his is is to make that uh, that pass to the big man on the pop yeah. in the pick and pop. Like he gets it off on time. Uh, like and um, it's always on target. And he he's really good at like using the behind the back on the pick and pop. Yeah. And he just like delivers that pass so accurately to Horford every time, and the Bucks just like do not adjust their scheme to account for that pick and pop. Like they drop back, they don't switch. Um, sometimes they'll they'll adjust and like start coming up a bit higher, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll leave Lopez on the bench, and someone like Ilyasova or I guess now Miritich can come up a little bit higher, but like they don't. There's no rim protection when that happens. Yeah, like the, exactly. they basically have been so good at rim protection because that's all they're selling out to do. It's like they yeah. guard everything along the baseline, like no corner threes and then no rim. Everything else you can have, and so it's really teams that can thrive in that middle area. And the Celtics are one of them. The Raptors are arguably one of them as well. It's just you know we've only seen it for spurts. Yeah, and I also just think it's like if you're relying on Ibaka to hit mid-range jumpers, and that's how you're going to beat the Bucks. Like I, I'm not. So thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. As good as Serge has been at shooting mid-range jumpers this year, yeah, it's just I, like in a playoff series, I, I don't want to be relying on that to get offense. I agree. Uh, okay, next one from Derek. Do the Raptors give a shit about the regular season at all? Um, I think they should. Why? For seeding? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they like care a, about it, but they're not, like, trying to go all out, you know what I mean? No, I mean, I think, look, it's early to say that they're locked into the second seed, but they are, I think, they're two and a half games behind the Bucks with having already lost a tiebreaker. Yeah. So it's going to be really tough to get the one seed. And they're four games ahead of the Pacers, five ahead of the Sixers, mm-hmm. and six and a half games ahead of the Celtics. So, like, they're pretty close to being locked into the two seed at this point. Right. I think they probably just give a shit about the regular season to the extent that it's going to help them get prepared for the playoffs. And, you know, all the stuff we were talking about, about them not seeming particularly prepared for the playoffs right now is uh, a good reason for them to care about the last 21 games. Mm. Okay, that's a good way to put it. They care about the regular season in so much as how it prepares them for the playoffs. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, that's why the games that they have, like, they they have a soft schedule down the stretch. Um, Yeah. So the games that they are going to play against, you know, teams that actually matter. And I actually think that this game coming up against the Celtics is the last game that they're going to play against any of those other top four teams in the East. So, yeah. um, so that's kind of an important one just as far as, you know, yeah, it's, it's their last chance to show out against one of those teams and um, maybe figure something out. The Celtics have... I wouldn't say that they've had their number necessarily, but they've won the last two games and they yeah. have Kyrie they has destroyed them. the Raptors. Yeah. Destroyed yeah. them this year. So that is a concern, right? Their best player has really gone off. And Kawhi's had good games against the the Celtics, but you know, they're just And yeah, Horford I, Horford's a matchup problem for them. As as he is for almost any team. Yeah, um, he is. I, I really find Horford annoying. 
They could stole that TJ Ford stuff. <laughs> yeah. Not forgiving him for that, man. He snapped TJ Ford like a Lego figure. That was that was, that was hard to watch. I really liked TJ Ford at that time. Yeah, he was great. I mean, was he great? I don't know. He was fast. He, he was really fast. You're right. He was Speedy Claxon. Um, okay, what else here? We already talked a couple of these things. So, uh, okay, what about this one from Bruno P. Jones? Which of our eight or nine players are go to for the playoffs if they started today? So I guess what's our playoff rotation? Um, so I think the standard starting five. Yeah. Um, Plus whichever with... Gasol or Ibaka is out of the starting right. five. So right. That's so that's six. six. Fred. Yeah. Seven. Um, OG. Yeah. Although I can kind of see like if he if he's not playing well, like I could totally see him just getting DNP'd. Really? Like I think they're well, okay, like, so. Who replaces them though? Because you don't have that many like power forwards. Or are you just asking Kawhi to play power forward at that point? Yeah, I think you could do that. Okay, that's not a bad option. Yeah, I mean, I actually like I was sort of hoping that they would find a power forward to sign on the buyout market. Um, they still can. Fareed would have been nice, actually. <laughs> he's playing great for Houston. He's playing freaking amazing um it's, and it's he's wild. just he's just bringing energy which i think if, if you really really boil it down the next couple of months are really going to come down to which players they still have energy like basically yeah. since january for the raptors sort of like all right if they have a sluggish game which is like every other game it's like what does pascal have and usually pascal is so gung-ho he's going to give you like 20 points maybe up to 40 points apparently and it's going to carry the raptors but a lot of times it's just which teams are just tired especially veteran teams they just get tired and mm-hmm Getting a guy like Fareed really helped the. Uh, help yeah, the but then it, it, that advantage sort of disappears in the playoffs when everyone's yeah playing hard. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so it, well, I, look, if you have OG Norm and Lynn in the playoff rotation, then you're at ten. So and that's not even accounting had... for McCaw, who is definitely this year's version of Baby, <laughs> or Jody Meeks, or Jody Meeks, <laughs> Jody baby, take another fine, please. <laughs> Um, Risk it all to help the Raptors in the playoffs. Yeah, or Chris Boucher for that matter. Um, yeah, that's right. You He's need brutal. to have a knuckle belt, a knuckleball in your back pocket. Yeah, he shoots like our dicky pitches, so that's, that's <laughs> that is true. That's good. Um, so yeah, look if if those are your ten, then and, and you want to whittle it down to nine, which one of those guys do you think you're you're taking out of the rotation? Uh, nor nor probably maybe? Norm, yeah. Probably Norm. It depends, though. Like, Norm will give you a little bit more defense, but less offense than Lynn, and Lynn will give you more offense. So I think it just depends on the matchup. Yeah. I mean, he he's really – like, he had a great stretch, and he's regressed <laughs> in the last few games. <clears throat> he's not oh, looked very sharply good. Sharply regressed. I think he just felt that, like, oh, crap, we got Jeremy here, we got Casal here. Like, no, I got to reestablish that I am bench the Rosen, and it, it just hasn't worked. Yeah, and I think <clears> – <throat> For a while, he was doing a really good job of picking his spots, I think. Mm-hmm. Attacking off the catch, not forcing anything. Yeah, had a and, good short game as well, like floaters and stuff. And now yeah, it's sort of just... He's kind of gone back to forcing stuff and just like <sighs> putting up these contested layups that don't have a prayer. Um, yeah, when he got stuffed I mean, by Vucevic, that was so ugly. Like, he yeah. had no chance. He had literally had no chance. So, yeah, maybe he's the guy that, that you don't see. I mean, I think all of these guys will play. At some point, and not just in garbage time, you know, like they will mm-hmm. all get burned. Uh, but I, I think you might just sort of see one or two of them cycle out and, and just not play uh, in certain matchups. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, especially if they get another power forward. I'd be, I'd be really nice. Um, okay, let's take, uh, let's take one more from Try a Little Kindness. That's that's really sweet. Um, what players filled the stat sheet yet still don't impact winning the NBA? Um, end, with a, end with a general basketball player. Uh, Zach Levine? I don't know. Yep, definitely. Um, I, I feel like it's always the younger guys. But I feel like that's it also cuts against them because a lot of these younger guys like don't quite know how to win, but it's not like they can't affect winning. Um. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, DeMar was, like, in that camp for a long time, right? Like, I don't think he was affecting winning, but I was like, I know he can eventually affect winning, and then he did. 
and then he figured it out. Although right now the Spurs are, holy crap, they're bad, man. <laughs> well, it's just like mix. it's like, so much about about codependency and and mm-hmm. like I don't know. It's just like contingent on the players that you have around you. I think, and I'm sure on the right team and the right system, Zach Levine could be a positive contributor, but. Yeah, if Zach Levine came um, off the bench for the Raptors, he'd be a positive contributor. However, yeah, I think so. He's the go-to guy in the Bulls, and like the whole organization has no real mandate to win, and so he's not going to win games. Um, to be honest, for a long time, I thought JV was actually one of those guys, and I, it, it really swung for me in twenty last season. Really, I was like, no, JV is definitely a positive contributor. Because, like, the numbers would always say Jay was really good. But then I was like, I watched him closing games, and I was like, this it's just so hard to play around him. But then he got a lot better. And you know what I mean? That's just another case where it's like young guys, I think, for a long time in their career. Like, it's hard for young guys to come in and make impacts to win. Um, and eventually they sort of figure it out. And sometimes they don't. They usually kind of get weeded out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um I don't know. I mean, there there will always be those guys who just like get that next contract because of the numbers they put up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Tim Hardaway Jr. Another pretty good example, I think. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker. Devin Booker, actually, I feel like he doesn't expect <clears throat> winning. I like he's like definitely yeah. a good player, but he needs like a structure around him. Like if you put Kyle Lowry next to Devin Booker, maybe that's a good team. Yeah, but like he needs like a guy like Kyle Lowry who will come in and like Murray Kondo your offense. <laughs> that's, 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 that's a good that's a good way to put it that's Kyle's main he's Mari Kondo with back yeah um, Ben Simmons wow <laughs> uh, I think Ben Simmons is really good he is he's pretty good yeah yeah oh he shot another three today wow did he yeah oh for did he one hit it? no of course not but <laughs> good for him uh, Jimmy Butler I don't know. I don't know. Jimmy's good. As yeah, Raptors I mean, fans, I we can't talk shit about Jimmy. He's killed us so many times. He has. But, I mean, that, that Sixers team, man. Like, you want to talk about a team that's less than the sum of its parts. Oh, yeah. I don't know. They barely yeah. – they beat the Pelicans by one. The Pelicans. Yeah. No Embiid, but – That's still – I think – yeah, just like – They don't. Have, they basically don't have Anthony Davis, so I think that's even – I think it's going to be pretty tough for a team to just, like, totally remake its roster twice in one season. Uh, yeah. Look but at even the, look so, at the like, yeah. And they, they have not had nearly the kind of structural changes in season as the Sixers have had. So mm-hmm. um, there's obviously going to be some uh, some kinks to work out. But, like, I, I've just not been particularly inspired by what that team has done this Ooh, year. I got and, a, You got a good one? I got a good one. Andre Drummond. Yeah, I, he, I've he thought that for. Me. I've thought that for a while. Um, actually, I actually think the last couple of years has been pretty good. He um, is a good player, but like he doesn't impact winning. I just think that like whether he has a good game or a bad game, it doesn't actually affect his team. And it's weird because he will put up big numbers, but right. it doesn't affect the team. Yeah, I just have always felt like he's not nearly as much of an impact defender as he should be given his physical tools. Yeah, for sure. And JV is way better than him still. Oh, still. DeAndre Jordan is another case of that too. Yes, definitely. Um, Lou Williams? Eh, I don't know. He's gotten better, but like, realistically, what does he do? He gets buckets. (laughs) At an extremely high rate, as Mike James would say. Mike James, there you go. That's, that's <laughs> a guy who doesn't affect winning. <laughs> he also didn't put up numbers except for that one season, though. So Except for that one month. Yeah, that, that whole mean, season was that, magical. That whole April, though, that was crazy. It just turned into Steph Curry for April. That was an incredible contract year. Yeah. All right, buddy. This is for the podcast. Um, follow Joe Wolfond at Joey W spelled out. And uh, read all his work at the score, you know. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's good talking to you again. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That listeners, once again, listen to Pound the Rock. You know, I, you know, it's uh, it's it's only gonna get better now that I'm not there. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see.
Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at myhealthpolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for. And done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called myhealthpolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face. And done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Your Xfinity Home Security System can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.